Well, good morning. How's everybody? Everybody good? Y'all awake? Doing well? God bless you. Good morning. My name's Danny Forshee, lead pastor here at Great Hills Baptist Church, and honored to bring you the Word of God today, the message that he has put on my heart all week. I've been studying John chapter 8, and so I'd love for you to read with me John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Enjoy worship today. Go vote on Tuesday. That would be a good thing. And let's celebrate uh, all our freedoms that God has blessed us with. Graduates, God bless you all, men and women. What a great, um, outstanding uh, group of young men and women who are going off, as Jeffrey said, some to military, some to college, university, or into the workforce. And uh, God bless you. I hope today's message is an encouragement uh, to you. And um, so we wrap up the series of sermons that we have been uh, preaching over the last four Sundays. Today we finish with the message entitled, Getting Free and Staying Free. And so for those who may be first-time guests, maybe you're watching us online or in the room, uh, I've been studying with you um, really winning the battle uh, in your mind, uh, how you and I can have victory over our, our thoughts. Because whatever uh, we think, if we ruminate on it, you know, think on it enough, it eventually comes out of our mouth or it comes through our hands. So thinking, uh, processing well, and having our minds saturated with that which is positive and that which is good and wholesome and life-giving, that which comes from God's Word, oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, I am not a neuroscientist. Uh, I didn't sleep at the Holiday Inn Express or any of that stuff. I, I don't, there's a lot I don't know about uh, this thing called the brain, right? It is so complex, uh, Neuroscientists, neurosurgeons spend half of their life studying in preparation on how to uh, understand and operate on the brain. But what about the mind? You know, that thing which is uh, non-material, uh, the, the mind, who we are, our spirit, our soul, our being. Now, I know the mind and the brain are intricately related, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But today, I really want to conclude strong. I want to encourage all of us to take these truths that we have been studying and learning and see them actuated in our life. In fact, I'm going to be quite transparent with you at the end of this service. I have written out some truth declarations. And uh, I learned this from Pastor Craig Rochelle in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind. And so I reread the chapter, I think it's chapter five. I reread it this week in preparation for this sermon because the first time I read through it, I didn't do what he asked me to do. He said, you know, take down, write down the lies that you have believed that have been spoken over your life, the lies that you have told yourself, the lies that the devil has told you, and, and just replace those, supplant those with truth. Not just any truth, but the truth from God's word. And I tell you, I did that. And it was a life-changing moment. Shared this with our staff on Monday. We had a great staff meeting. And so, all right, we're in John chapter 8. I'm excited about it. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom uh, that you give to us. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. You almost want to read that word believed and do like this. Y'all watch my hands here for just a minute. Believed him. It's almost like quotation marks, like believed him, right? If you abide, Jesus said, if you abide or remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall, what? Make you free. And then they answered him. You really could say they rebuked him. You said, what am I? I think these are the people that didn't say they just believed in him. This is what they said. We're Abraham's descendants. And we have never been in bondage to anybody. How could you say, dare say, you will be made free? Okay? That's why I call this a meaningful, interesting dialogue between Jesus and the religious people who said that they believed. And Jesus answered them, and I love what Jesus did. He didn't get all angry and upset and retaliate to their diatribe. No, he just said, most assuredly. Now, whenever Jesus prefaces what he's about to say with, the, I think the old King James would say, verily, verily. Not sure what that means, but I, I do understand. Uh, most assuredly, or heads up, what I'm about to say is incredibly important. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Wow. 
That's, that was Jesus' comeback. And it's very deep. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave to it. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, now he's going to repeat, when Jesus says something that's important, when he says the same thing within the same breath, I mean, that is, that is, he is accentuating this whole concept of liberation and freedom. So he says it, therefore, what, what is the therefore? He, he's repeating, he's summarizing what he just told us. Therefore, if the Son, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus himself, if he makes you free, whoo, then you shall be, read that with me, church, free indeed. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It is life to our soul. It is health to our flesh. We're asking you, Lord, to speak to us um, as we read, as we study, as we worship with our minds. We're praying today. Because, Lord, we know many who are here in the room and many who are watching online are struggling, God. Some, the addiction is overpowering them. For some, Lord, there's rage and anger that they really don't even understand where that rage and anger is coming from. Lord, some are, Lord, it's putting it mild to say that they're anxious. They are borderline. Some are depressed to the point of suicidal. And all of that's in this room. Mm. And all of those emotions, God, those raw emotions, are within the hearts and the souls of many women and many men, both watching online in this room and all over this great nation in which we live, all over the world. So we, we turn to you, God. You're the one that created us. Uh, you're the king of the universe. You have the answers. And we just want to lean into you and to your word. We want you to speak to us, Holy Spirit. I pray that great preaching would take place, great teaching would take place today. And Lord, we know great teaching is when everybody hears another voice. They hear the voice of the Spirit of God. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just a mere, frail, uh, faulty human being. Uh, but use me, O oh God, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All of us, um, you know, we, we, we struggle. Some of the struggle that we deal with was inflicted upon us. I understand I'm speaking to many people today who have been hurt, egregiously wounded. Uh, one person told me one time, she said, you know, somebody hurt my body, but they wounded my mind. And I'll never forget that. She said, they hurt my body, but they wounded my, my mind and my, my inner woman. All of us have those triggers, right? We have those emotional triggers that just are unleashed on us. When somebody says something, it reminds us of when that happened to you. Or somebody repeats this, this lie that has been on loop. You know, It's just been going over and over in our brain. And, and somebody says it, and you find yourself almost flying off the handle, right? You're like, whoa, where, where did that come from? Now, I'm talking to some people today. You need, uh, you need more than five messages on winning the battle in your mind. You need a coach. You need a, you need, uh, a biblical counselor, a therapist. You need somebody who would walk you through. You know, many of the people, heroes of mine that I study, that I listen to, that I have a lot of respect for, they are in counseling. That is, that is cool. That is a great thing. You say, well, I'm above that. I don't need that. Well, what does your spouse say about that, you know? What do your best friends say uh, about that? I heard something really interesting this week. They, the person was speaking about, you know, if, if only things were different, my life would be so much better. If the guy that I work with, if he would just get terminated... If he would just take another job, oh, Eureka, everything would just be glorious. If the lady that I go to school with, I mean, my classmate, oh my goodness, I wish she would just drop out of school, attend another university or attend another high school. My life would be so much better. If I could just get that promotion, man. That's why I was watching the movie yesterday, the um, Oh, what's the name of it? Family, uh, family Camp. I went to see the, the movie Family Camp. And it's about this guy, and he's like, he's all into getting this promotion. He is consumed. He can't even take a vacation with his family without this thing. Y'all with me? What is this thing? That's your phone, right? And so there's this conflict. He's like, look, my, my wife, you just don't understand if I could just get this. But he, he, here's the thing. 
If all of those things were to happen, nothing would change. You say, well, how, how, how do you know that? Because somebody else would take their place. <laughs> somebody else would slide into the cubicle and say, hey, you know, how are you? And you'd like, oh, you're worse than the other guy, you know. Or you get the promotion and, and, you, and you, you live that promotion for a, few, for a few days or maybe even a few months, but it doesn't change. You know why? Because you didn't change. You didn't change. And that's what I'm gonna talk a lot about today is the power. I really could call this sermon the power of the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most <laughs> of them all? It's, it's us. It's, it's me. It's me, oh Lord. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's not my enemy. It's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. And that's what we find in this meaningful dialogue that Jesus has with the religious group who say that they believe on him and, and yet they're just, all, they're just in all kinds of trouble. They got all kinds of troubles going on and pride and, and issues and Jesus through this dialogue is gonna open this up to them and let them see themselves, excuse me, see themselves for who they really, who they really are. So I'm gonna offer this message to all of us who struggle uh, with worry, with fear, with anxiety, and some of us battle. We have to battle the noonday demon, as one author calls it, the battle of depression. Uh, some of our most famous presidents, the most famous heroes and people of the past, they dealt with this. They dealt with this mental anxiety. And I'm just so glad today that you and I get to read about the one person who literally can set us free. And that's Jesus. So number one, as I look at the text with you, is the dialogue. And I'm gonna walk you through verses 32 through 36. They're not a whole lot of verses. And so I'm gonna just take some time and, and walk you through the text. The text is what is sacred. My words are not sacred. The text is sacred. And so as we dive into the text, just let, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you and encourage you and reveal some things to you. Okay, watch this. All right, are you okay with being just a little uncomfortable in order to get you to a place of comfort. Are you? Okay, there's a few of you are. Let me repeat that. You don't, you don't have to respond. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Think about it. Are you okay with being just a little uncomfortable for the next few minutes in order for God to bring about a whole lot of comfort, a whole lot of joy as you deal with, as you grapple with some, some things as you look, as you look into the mirror? So verse 31, the Jews who believed in Jesus. Now, what, what do we make of that? I've read all kinds of commentaries this week about explanations or, or one commentary had all kinds of, who are these people? And they were trying to explain the people away. But Dr. D.A. Carson, whom I love reading him, is a great theologian, great New Testament scholar. He goes, wait a minute. Don't try to explain these people away. They are alive and they exist. And when it says they believed in Jesus, you, you have to deal with this. What does that mean? And he goes on to write, John has introduced these people already. In John 2, 23, we read of their fickle faith. The people who said they believed in his name, they only believed because they saw the miraculous signs that Jesus was doing. And turns out that they did not have a very genuine, authentic faith, but it was a superficial, fickle faith. But Jesus now, I'm still reading Dr. Carson, he he lays down exactly what it is that separates spurious faith or from true faith. Fickle disciples from genuine disciples. And here it is. If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, then you are really my disciples. Okay? And one more quote from Dr. Carson. In short, perseverance is the mark of true faith of real disciples. A genuine believer remains in Jesus' word, his logos, his teaching. Such a person obeys and seeks to better understand. It's someone who continues in the teaching who is both the Father and the Son, end of quote. So true followers of Jesus do just that. They, they follow him. Their faith is not spurious or, or fickle or superficial. It, not to mean that sometimes it doesn't falter or it's weak, no. But there is a consistency to it. There was a following and abiding. That, that, that Greek word is meno. It means M-E-N-O. It means to abide or to remain in Christ. Look, guys, our heroes, the, the men and women and the students of faith that we look up to, they're not perfect, but they stay with God. <laughs> 
you know, they stay with the Lord. And I think the litmus test for you graduates, when you go to your next level, do you stay with God or not? Is it your parents' faith or is it your faith? The, the test will be seen in your behavior. It won't be seen in what you say you believe because everybody believes, right? I believe, I'm an American, hallelujah, I believe, I believe, I believe. But how do you live? That will be the genuine litmus test. Do you, do you live out your faith? Not that you're perfect, I get that, but there's a desire for you to want to go to church, for example. There's a desire for you to want to read God's word, for example. There's a desire for you to pray. There's a desire for you to serve. If none of those desires are there, then welcome to Fickle Faith 101, you know, or Spurious Faith or Insincere Faith. So these are the people that Jesus is dealing with. And then he lays it on them. He says, well, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Would you ponder that for just a moment with me? Make you free. You may ask, free from what? <laughs> and that's what they were kind of like, free from what? I'm in no bondage. I ain't got no shackles on my ankles or on my wrists. Who do you say? In fact, who are you to even say that I'm in bondage at all? And, I mean, and maybe some of you are feeling that. You know, you got that pride in you. You got that, it's welling up within you. These are the people. These are the same people that Jesus is dealing with in this text. It's too close to home. They have so much pride that they, they literally become accusatory of Jesus. Here's how I translate verses 32, 33. It says, we are fine. You're the problem. <laughs> y'all know anybody like that? Some of y'all are like, I live with that guy. <laughs> I live with her. They're never the problem. And that was a family camp again. I don't know why I keep, this keeps coming up in my sermon, but I did go see it yesterday. And, and one of the, the couples, they're like, she's telling her husband, you, you, don't, even, you don't even listen to me. <laughs> we pretend we've got everything together, but you, you just try to rule everything with an iron fist. I have an opinion. <laughs> I, I, I can contribute, but, but you don't even listen. You just totally smother me in our relationship. Well, Jesus is offering them a mirror. Look at yourself. Are you always complaining? Are you always unsatisfied? Are you always in a fit, in a rage? I mean, just, just like that, you're, you're just over the edge. Then you're not okay, okay? You're not fine. And Jesus is like, look, I can help you. I can set you free, but you gotta first admit you got a problem. The only people God cannot save are those who don't think they need help. Everybody needs help but not you, right? <laughs> you are the grand exception, you know? Not true. We all need help. And the quicker we realize that and say, Jesus, I don't have my act all together. I really do need help. I am in bondage. I am in captivity. I feel like I'm in a cage. I'm cloistered. I'm secluded. I just feel like the walls are absolutely closing in on me and it's just, it's just, it's just hurting me so much. And Jesus says, look, I can set you free. I can put you in wide open spaces and places where there is joy, where there is peace, where there, you're free to come and go. There is a, it is a glorious way to live, but you gotta first look in the mirror. Verses 34 and 35, Jesus addresses the issue and the issue is sin. He talks about slavery and freedom. That's something you gotta realize that Jesus is in no way condoning slavery. When you read this text, in fact, it's the Jesus people who obliterated slavery uh, when, you think, when you think about it. I mean, in, in England with Wilberforce and over here, Martin Luther King Jr. and other believers, they're the ones that, followers of Jesus, they know what it's like to be free. And so they are the ones that preach and champion freedom. And so Jesus is in no way endorsing or condoning slavery, but he is using a metaphor, an analogy that everybody I can understand. If I were to say the iPhone today, yeah, everybody in here would go, well, the Android, the iPhone, the cell phone, yeah, the mobile, yeah, that, I understand that. I'm not condoning that, I'm not condemning that, I'm just saying that exists, right? And Jesus is saying, look, you're like the slave. The slave's in bondage and shackles and, and, and the son, the son really lives here, but, but the slave does not have that access and that freedom. Boy, I tell you, their blood is boiling by this time. I mean, Jesus has not raised his voice. He has just spoken the truth. And here comes, here comes this confrontation. 
It's interesting to me that Jesus compares those with fickle faith to slaves and not sons. And in verse 36, here it comes, he repeats verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is saying, I'm okay, but you're not okay. You need to lay down your pride, pick up your mirror, admit what everybody in the world already knows, and then we can begin the healing, we can begin the spiritual surgery, we can begin the mind help that you so desperately need. Now, I know some may be listening to this and saying, you know, I thought you were preaching a message on winning over worry, you know, winning over anxiety or winning over depression and discouragement. And guys, I'm telling you, I've lived this and I know this to be the case. So many times, the problem is not with other people. It's with me. Can y'all grab that for just a minute? If you hadn't heard anything else, if you don't hear another sermon that I ever preached in this church, I hope that you'll hear this. Oftentimes, almost every time, the problem is not with somebody else. The problem is you. And if you can grapple with that and, and, just, and just wrestle with that and just say, okay, I, I know I... I, I know things have happened to me and I, and I know uh, I'm not to blame in this situation, that situation. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. But go just a little further and say, God, now show me what, show me, Lord, what I need to see. Show me, God, my culpability and, and my part in this, God, so that the healing can begin in me so that I can truly forgive. I can forgive myself. I can forgive others. There's a, there's a line in a song I just keep you're the only one who can. I just, that, it just goes, it's just like loop replay. It's an earworm. It's just like in there and it's just, you're the only one who can. And it's from graves into gardens. We've sung this song oftentimes from Elevation Worship. And I was reading the lyrics again and three times. Aren't you, aren't you glad that things get repeated? I'm so glad God repeats himself. In verse 32 and verse 36, did you hear me? The truth shall set you free. It's like, oh, I didn't hear it that time. The Lord says, well, I'll tell you again, the truth shall set you free. And then these lyrics come on. It goes, mm-hmm, you turn mourning into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. Here it comes. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. That is so true. So that's point number one is this meaningful dialogue that Jesus has with the people who believed in him, right? This spurious faith, this counterfeit faith. Number two, let's talk about getting free for just a, just a moment. Getting free. What does it mean to get free, to get liberated? Uh, now, what I'm about to share with you is very contra-culture to what, what, what the world would say about getting free. Now, the world has some ideas about getting free. I'm, I'm talking about free love, free sex, free this, free that. Just if it feels good, by all means, do it. And you will really begin to live life and you will just, you will just have joy all your days. Is that right? If that is true, then... Why are some of the most miserable people in the world live in Hollywood? Or, or why are some of the most miserable people in the world who have all of this and then some, and they're like screaming out for hope and for help? No, that's not. What I'm talking about is getting free in the purest sense of the word, getting your soul free. And here's how it happens. You say, Lord, um, this, is, this is hard for me. I don't know, happy days, anybody my age or over, y'all remember the Fonz and happy days? Hey, hey. Y'all remember we used to say he'd get in trouble and he'd do something wrong and he'd have to apologize. Are y'all with me? And some of you young people are going, dude, you lost me on happy days. You know, 19, <laughs> 1950s and Fonzie and Richard Cunningham. And, and he would say, I'm I'm I'm, he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't say, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh. But you know, we, if, in order to get free, we have to. We, we have to say, I'm sorry. Or I'm, I was wrong. And y'all know who you need to tell that to, first and foremost? If you want to win this battle in your mind, 
And you got to tell God that. You say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for my arrogance, my pride, uh, my lust, my thoughts. Lord, they are not your thoughts. Would you forgive me? Now, I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, you, you need to do this every day. Every day I get up in the morning. So that's a good thing. It's a good to get up. I get up, I drink some really, really strong coffee. And then I go right into my quiet time for like an hour and, or an hour and a half. You say, well, aren't you spiritual? I'm telling you, you just laid it out there, Mr. Hour and a half quiet time. Do y'all know why I do that? To live. To live. I tell you, if I didn't have Jesus, I couldn't live. I need him more than anything. And so I spend that time with him and my heart, the closer I get to the Lord, the clearer I see myself. And the clearer I see myself, the more I realize how much I need Christ. And so I'm spending that time just in the word of God and praying when I feel like it. Somebody help me. And when I don't feel like it. Here lately, most mornings, I have not felt like it. What do you do during those mornings? I heard somebody say one time, when you don't feel like it, you should pray the most. Or, or when you're battling the most, you should get in the Bible the quickest. And so I've just made it a habit of my life and I've not compromised this. And I wanna encourage you graduates, I wanna encourage all of us, spend some time with the Lord. He sets you free. He opens your mind, he opens your heart, he gives you peace. What if you've never been set free? What if you're still in your, in your tomb and you're enclosed in your little mausoleum of, of, of pride and emotions and, and you're just crippled? I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. And if you'll say, Christ, come in my life, take over my life. I give you my heart, my soul, my being, my mind, my volition, my inner woman, my inner man. God, take me, I need your help. Woo! He will help you. And that will be the beginning of this wonderful relationship that he will stay with you throughout your life and into eternity. The third thing I want to close with is, is staying free. You know, how do we, we get free in Christ? How do, we, how do we stay free? Well, I'm just, what, what I want to do for the next few minutes, if y'all will allow me, is I want to just summarize what we've talked about over the last five weeks and just kind of close with just some real practical ways that we can win these battles that are in our mind. I just told you one of them. And one of them is staying faithful with the Lord, praying when you don't feel like it, reading the Bible when you don't feel like it, because that's when you need it the most. Like right now is a really good time to buy stocks since the stock market has crashed. You know, my financial advisor planner, he called me this week and I was like, I almost laughed. I'm like, man, you've got guts to call me, you know, during this time. And he's like, no, no, look, hang in there. Uh, people want to bail out, but what you're going to do if you stay with the program, you're going to buy stocks way down here in a few years. You're going you're gonna to be so glad that, that you did. And so let, let me encourage you with that spiritually and emotionally. When, when you're down and when you feel depleted and you feel like, ah, oh, is it worth it? Hang in there. Stay with the Lord. Stay with his word. Stay with his church. Let me say it again. Stay with it. Stay with the Lord. Stay with his word. Stay with his church. Would y'all just let that loop in your mind over and over again, especially when you, feel, when you feel like quitting. I heard a powerful testimony this week, and I want to share you, with you about Dr. John Deloney, and this was so helpful to me. And he, it's like he's been, he's been reading my, my thoughts, my notes, and my sermon series. And John Deloney works for Dave Ramsey. He's an author. He's a podcaster. His caption on his podcast literally reads, mental health challenges and broken relationships are a part of life, but they don't have to define you. He's funny. He's transparent. He talks about what it means to be unhealthy, to be in bondage, and to have pride and then to be healthy, to be free, and to be humble. He has two PhDs. I worked so hard just to get one. I can't imagine having two PhDs. And he goes, that was part of my problem. He said, I almost destroyed my marriage because Mr. Researcher, Mr. PhD, 
Mr. Professor at the local university. I've spent all this time researching and analyzing and, and convincing people how smart I am and how and I'm telling them everything that I that they they need to know and my students and, and my faculty peers. He said, when I walk in the room, I'm the smartest guy in the room. By the way, that doesn't make a good husband. That makes a pitiful father. And he's like, I know. I know that that's me. And he had a dialogue with his wife and, and she goes, I don't feel safe around you. And he goes, excuse me? I don't have any knives. I don't have any guns. I never raised my voice. What do you mean you don't feel safe? She says, look, you treat me like I'm one of your students. <laughs> All you do is talk and you never listen. I don't feel safe in this marriage. He said, God began to convict me. God began to work on my heart. This is the quote that he said. I think first and foremost, you gotta go to the mirror. You gotta go to the mirror. You have to acknowledge these stories that are just going on and they are on loop. I'm not okay. I got to say that out loud. I am over my head. I am exhausted. I am a part of the problem. I don't like that I gained 72 pounds, but I did. Whatever the thing you are wrestling with or the things, for most of us, things we wrestle with, you have to look in the mirror. You gotta have the courage to say, I have to own this. And this is John Deloney. He's being very transparent, very vulnerable. And then he talks about his, his marriage. But he said, things begin to change. And it was so fun. He said, we've been married 20 years. He said, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we've got a great marriage. I've got children, they're young, um, and I still work hard. I still put in long hours. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room anymore because I'm not. <laughs> he said, look, can I just share with you just how my heart changed, how my life has changed? And it goes something like this. I, and this is John Deloney. He was eight o'clock. He was still at work. I get that. Any other workaholics in the room? Any? So they were like, you know, you know. And he goes, 8.30, I come home. And they shared the story just as, like it was recent. And he said, I go to my, my daughter's room and I have a, she's six years of age. And, and he said, I know it's kind of late. And uh, he said, I hope she's asleep because we're psychopaths when it comes to sleep. He says, you gotta get your sleep. You gotta get your sleep. And he peeks in the room and, and the light's on and she's reading a book. He says, she's not really reading. She's just looking at the pictures. And he, and he sneaks in in her room, and, and this is so cool, y'all. This is what he did. And she said, Dad, is that you? And he said, yeah, yeah, sweetie, it's me. Are you, you're still awake? She said, yeah, Dad, I'm still awake. He said, okay, I challenge you right now. If you dare to a game of air hockey down in the basement, right now, right here. And she said, she said, are you serious? And he says, yes, you want to get demolished? She said, yeah, bring it on, pops, bring it on. And then it was on. He goes over, he scoops her up, puts, puts her on his shoulders. They go down to the basement. He said, we go at it for seven solid minutes and we're trash talking each other and we're just, and she beats me of all things she beats me in the air hockey I put her back on my shoulders I walk her up in the room she goes to sleep and she'll never forget this night as long as she lives and then he says and I will never forget this night as long as I live because I'm in a good place I can spend time with my wife now. I can spend time with my kids. I can be vulnerable with them and, and transparent with them. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. That is getting free and staying free. And he will tell you it's because of the power of Christ. So I'm gonna share with you my truth declarations. I've got just a couple of minutes and I will, I'll share these with you. Um, again, I reread the chapter in Craig Rochelle's book, chapter five, winning the war in your mind. And this is the chapter that really is, is oh goodness, it's made so, such a tremendous difference in my life. Um, he talks about how to replace the lies that you have told yourself with the truth of what God says about you. And 
And I, would, I really would encourage you. I mean, some of y'all are hard-headed and stubborn like I am, and I can ask you to do this. You're not gonna do it, but some of you are going to do it. And you're gonna come back around and go, thank you so much for leaning in, pushing me to write out these truth declarations. Craig Rochelle has done it in his book. And his wife is like, look, he's not perfect, but he is such a different man. He's so different because he's replacing those, and he calls them these ruts, these neural pathways that he has thought these things, the same things over and over and over. They have been ingrained in his inner conscience, his inner being. And he says, and, and, and it goes something like, you're not enough. You'll never measure up. You're a pitiful pastor. It's amazing that you even finally got ordained in the first place. And he says, I just deal with this, deal with this. So he said, I had to dig a trench around the rut. Y'all with me? I had to, here's the rut, 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 rut. I had to dig a trench of truth around the rut so that when I feel the lies coming and to tell myself to get back into the rut, he said, I have to lift myself up, go to God in prayer and rehearse these declarations of truth. So I shared with our staff on Monday, man, we got such, a, we got such an amazing staff at Great Hills Baptist Church. I, I mean, they, yes, that is a good, that's a good time to clap. There's like 12 of us that meet on uh, Monday. We meet like all afternoon, or at least some of us do. And I think we have like 26, 27 full-time employees at, at, at Great Hills. Um, but we're meeting with the pastoral team, the pastoral staff, and our two hours we, turns into praise reports, people we've shared the gospel with. And I was giving them a devotion on John chapter eight and I had written all of these um, truth declarations and I hadn't planned on sharing them. I was just, I was just doing it for therapy and uh, not to mention any names. I would definitely want to do that. But Jennifer, one of our staff said, uh, you are going to read those to us, aren't you? And I was like, well, I hadn't planned on it. She goes, no, please do. And I said, okay, I'll read. She goes, yay, yay, read them. Look at me, y'all. I'm, I'm up here. I'm wringing my hands. Um, you say, you look like you're praying. I am praying. Lord, help me. Help our people receive this. Um, I, I just can never ask you to do something that I'm not willing uh, to do. This is, this is I'm gonna say some things about me, y'all, that I want to be true, that I'm wrestling with it. They're not quite there yet, but I want them to be true. Is that fair? Say, Because you're going to say you're an athlete in here and you're not really an athlete. Well, I'm trying to be, right? So I'm trying to, so. So I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. He died for me. He forgave all of my sins. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 9. I sure love my wife. I will lay down my, wife, my life for my wife. I will serve her every day because I love her. She is not here. She's in Dallas today to visit our son who's speaking at, in, in, in his church where he serves. So I'm going to talk about her for just a minute, okay? It's so fun. You know, my wife and I, we have this great relationship, and it is just built on her patience with me for 36 years almost. Um, this, so I thought this was funny, y'all, and I, I just, but it, this little story I'm about to tell y'all, it, it kind of, it helps, it helped me a lot because it's shown me how far I have come in our marriage because I used to be just so impatient and just, you know, also so driven and I would take that home with me. So I don't know if y'all can see my hand. I cut my hand really good this week. Um, I was walking th through the, the house, I had my hands just absolutely full with everything. Y'all, I, I despise making multiple trips. Can y'all relate to that? What, what is the deal with that? I think I'm a neuropsychopath. All I gotta do is go back and just get, no, not me. I've got everything and I'm walking through the house like this and I go to put the glass down and the glass, I, it slipped out of my hand. And as it slipped, I was watching it and I was like, I got to catch it. And when I went to catch it, it burst and just 
shredded my hand. I mean, I probably should have got stitches, but no, 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 just wrap it up, right? So I wrap my hand up. Blood is everywhere. Now, to hear me tell about a guy talk about it, I almost cut my arm off. You know what I'm saying? Man, it was just awful. I'm just terrible. And there was a lot of blood, and there's glass everywhere. The glass goes down into the garbage disposal. So I'm, you can't turn on the garbage disposal. So I'm reaching this hand. This hand is bleeding and bleeding. And I'm reaching this hand down. And guess what happens? I did not get stuck. I thought y'all would think that, but I didn't get stuck. But there was a shard of glass on the side, and every time I go down, it would cut this hand. So this hand's all messed up. This hand is bleeding. And finally, Ashley, she, she was, I forgot what she was doing. She was out and about, and she comes in. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I can't wait to tell her, right? You know, because I've about cut my arm off, right? I mean, I'm in, I'm in bad shape. I probably need surgery. You know what I'm saying? Us guys... We're such wimps, y'all. It's amazing. And so, and on top of that, I, I was, I went out and kept, I am, this is kind of funny. I'm wiping up the blood as I go and there's a spider. <laughs> a spider on the wall. I hate spiders. And I said, spider, if you'll stay right there, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you dead. So I go off and I, I go grab whatever I was needing and I smashed that spider and I killed it, wrapped my hands wrapped up and here comes Ashley and I got all these stories to tell her, right? And I'm like, Ashley, she goes, what in the world did you do? And I said, well, I cut my hand, it's bled real bad and I've wrapped it up real tight and, and you know, I, I think I'm gonna be okay and on, on my way, to, I killed this spider but I'm, but I'm okay and she said one thing, she said, spider? I was like, no, no, hand, hand, you know, hand here. This hand that got hurt, she seemed worried about that. She goes, where's the spider? Did you, did you kill it, you know? Used to, that would, that would have upset with me. I would just be like, well, you're just not listening, you know? And, but you don't know what I actually did? I started laughing. Praise God. He, over time, he just gives us grace. And the things that used to upset us so much just don't upset us anymore. So I'm going to love my wife, and I'm going to lay down my life for her if, if I need to. I love my kids and their spouses and their children. They bring me so much joy, and I bring them joy. Right? I'll make disciples, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I'm called of God, gifted to preach the word of God, to encourage people and to lead people to Jesus, an evangelist. Jesus called me to this. A pastor, I love pastors. God uses me to help pastors and I encourage them because I am one of them and I have been where they are. I love equipping people to witness. This is one of my gifts and contributions to Jesus' kingdom. Do y'all hear, hear what I'm saying? You, say, oh, you sound like you're complimenting yourself. Well, I guess I am because sometimes you have to because the devil never wants to compliment you. He always wants to tear you down, right? You say, you got any more of those? Yep. I enjoy exercising and being in good shape. I am and will stay in good shape. I'm a marathoner. I'm a triathlete. I'm a golfer. I have to add, not very good, but I am a golfer, and I will continue to pursue these things that I enjoy. I am kind, and that is who I am. Mean people, I cannot help. They don't bother me, though, because I do not give them the power to bother me. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. And finally, I do not fall apart when bad things happen or bad news comes my way. God gets me through every single time. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Have y'all ever thought about doing something like that? You say, well, that, some of you guys are going to go, that's, that's, too feminine for me. I would never express my feelings and write them down and tell the whole world about it. How's your marriage? <laughs> you know. how are you, how is, how's that going for you, brother? How's that going for you, sir? Try it. Replace the lies, create these neural pathways of truth, and you'll see you're, you begin to win the battle over you, in your mind. And wow, 
a meaningful dialogue. Jesus, I hope he has a meaningful dialogue with you today. And I hope you pull up your mirror and say, ah, Lord, I need you. And when you do that, oh man, it's just like the floodgates just start pouring in of peace and joy and happiness and contentment. Getting free, <clears throat> it is simple. It, when, you, when you realize that you, you don't have your act together and you really need help and you need Christ, I'm applauding you because chains are starting to rattle. Things are about to happen. When you say, I, I need help, Lord, please help me. And then staying free, I, I hope this series has helped you. I know, it's, <laughs> I know it's helped me as painful as it has been at times and, and processing this and reliving some of this and being transparent, very vulnerable with you. I will say this, I've never had more response to any sermons I've ever preached in my life. I, I really, I, I'm serious. I, I think part of it is, is just being vulnerable. You know, we pastors, we, we're an interesting group. We, we, we come across sometimes, you know, I had, had somebody come and, uh, and, and listen to me preach and say, well, you know, communicating is not a problem for you and you're very gifted at that, but can I tell you what? What most impressed me about you, it was none of that. It was none of your preaching. There was somebody at the altar and you went to them and you knelt down with them and prayed with them. And, that, and that's the only thing the guy remembered. That's, that's what he took away with, from that. Staying free is, it's, it's a journey. I'll have to get up in the morning, start all over with prayer, with Bible study. It's so funny. My, I had a professor tell me this one time, and I'm almost done. Y'all stay with us. One, just a couple more minutes. I had a professor tell me one time, he says, there are going to be times when you're not going to feel like reading your Bible and praying, but if you can lean into the duty, there will be delight on the other side. And that is so true. It's discipline. It's duty, if you will. To spend that time with the Lord in prayer, maybe get up a little early, or some of our students like, I, I ain't getting up no early, brother. I got I to go to school. Whatever. But I'll give the Lord some time at lunchtime or maybe in the afternoon when I'm more awake or really when I'm at night. You know, I, I'll spend some time with the Lord. Look, I don't care when you do it, just do it. I know for me, I got to do it in the mornings because I just need God's help early on. So I want to pray for you and I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me and just allow the Holy Spirit to massage your heart. Just kind of rub out some of those wrinkles in your, in your spiritual muscles. And uh, for some of you, I'm just going to lean into you. Allow the great physician to put his hands on you in the sense that he wants to wrap you up in his arms of love and compassion. He wants to forgive you. He wants to take your hurt. He wants to help you forgive he wants to replace the lies, the stupid lies that the devil tells you over and over again. You're never enough. You'll never measure up. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah, right. Tell me how that works out for you. Blah, 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 blah. You say, yeah, I deal with that. How, how do I? You got, you got to replace it with something stronger. And the thing that will always triumph is when you can replace the truth of who Jesus says you are what the Word of God says you are, that will always lead you to triumph. That's why, that's why I sound like a broken record. That's why I say over and over again, for 12 years I've been saying this, read your Bibles, spend time with God and His Word. And I try to model that for you on Sundays. Not, don't just read it real quickly, but really, um, really kind of just stay there. Um, I, I would rather you read five verses of Scripture and remember it <laughs> Then five chapters and don't, don't even remember what you read that morning. Just slow down and allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart. Do you hear him today, by the way? Do you hear what he's saying? He's telling you, he's got you. He is enough, therefore you're enough. You are going to make it because the Lord is your shepherd. God will make a way 
when there seems to be no way. He's going to step in and you're going to be blown away. Call unto me, he said, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Would y'all lean into the Lord today? Just, just lean into his truth. For some of you, I know this is hard. I, it's so hard. I can't even begin to imagine. Oh my goodness. What you have gone through and what some of you are going through. I just know that God sees, God cares, God loves you, and please, please don't turn away from him. Because that never ends well. Lean into him. Guys, can I talk to you guys for just a minute? I know Father's Day is coming up, and I want to preach to our men here in just a couple of weeks, but... Don't pull a Fonzie on me. Say, say you're sorry. You, you may, when we stand in a moment, we sing this song of invitation, you may just want to lean over to your wife and say, yeah, I'm an idiot. I, I'm sorry. I was a jerk even this morning. Please, please forgive me. I'm going to do. I'm going to do better. And then go buy Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind. It will help you so much. Or Louis Giglio's book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. I love you, Great Hills. I'm for you. I, I want to bring you along on this journey toward mental health and wholeness. And you graduates, God bless you. Man, what an exciting time. You're, God is with you. He wants to walk with you. I was reading University of Texas. Uh, it's a friend of mine. She's the, she coaches a lot of ladies uh, spiritually at UT and and she goes, you know, it's interesting. I'm the answer to the prayers of so many parents. And these students that I get to pour into, these are students who want to walk with Jesus in their college years, even in Austin, Texas. And it can be done. And it'll be a life of peace and no regret. Maybe you're here today and the altar is open. You want to come? You want to kneel at the altar? Take one of these pastors, one of these decision counselors, just take them by the hand and say, hey, I, I could really use some prayer right now. Maybe you could just pray a prayer of blessing over me that God would help me, God would help our marriage. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege now of just hearing from you and, and you speaking to us and us responding in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.